Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Higher Learning is on. It is I, Van Lathan. And it's me, Rachel Lindsay. Rachel Lindsay. How, how has your week been? My week has been good, you know? Good. I'm still I'm still on my Instagram break. How's that going? I love it. I mean, I'm eventually have to come back because, you know, as I'm lovingly called here, QVC Rach, and those ads are calling. So eventually, I'll have to come back. But mentally for me, oh, I love it. I love that being on Instagram. It's great. You hate you, you hate Instagram now. Now you're you're over. But I have a question. How mm-hmm. does not being on Instagram figure in with QVC Rach and the mini bags that she gets? I've had to push some things back because wow. my mental health is priceless. Right? So I needed I needed this break. I needed it for me. So don't you don't you worry, guys. I'll be back in full effect. And Van, Van, mm-hmm. you've up? been you've been QVCing it up. As well, I've I've seen you with a couple oh. of hashtag ads. It's just AT and T. Not like just. A, it's Big a dreaming. It's a dreaming black partnership. It's like nothing. It's not like a product. It's just hey, these are black future makers. It's Did nothing. you get paid? No, I didn't. Of course, then I didn't. Did... Okay. <laughs> 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 right. You think I work for AT and T for free? I love yeah. it. I love to see it. I love to see it. Unlike you, though, I didn't write anything snarky under your post. I just said it's funny to see it. But but listen, it's one thing to do it one time. It's like you were. Oh, you'll do yeah. it again. You'll do it again. Oh, I've done it before. Yeah, but like you're like is it, it's like see that cup that you have right there. Like you <laughs> yeah. use that cup, and then all of a sudden it'll be like. I love the cups from Crate and Barrel. No. They make my hands feel so soft as the warm liquid is inside. Okay, don't of- you ever imitate my voice <laughs> with the, with the right. what, what's that? That's the bedside. What's it? What's it? The That's way- a, put it on the ass about to put, that, put it on the That's what that is. That, that you know what I did yesterday, Rach? Rach, you want to hear what I did yesterday? Sure, man. Uh, what did you do yesterday? I went on Reddit. And I was like in which, the, which the bachelor. Subreddit? You went to the, the bachelor sub, subreddit. I went to the bachelor subreddit and was going back and forth. Wait, yeah. you wait. How did I yeah. miss this? So <laughs> you were so, arguing with people in the subreddit. Yeah, I was. So <laughs> uh, so people, so some people hit me up on on Instagram and they were like, just to let you know, some people in the bachelor subreddit didn't like what you and Rachel had to say about Taylor. That doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me either. And by the way, I think that their criticisms of it, when I look back at the totality of everything that went on, I think a lot of their criticisms on it are fair. Mm-hmm. And so, I, it, and I'm not going to be perfect on the show, um, but you know, I'm not going to be flogged either. I think their criticisms of it are absolutely fair. You know, we live in an era where people want accountability and people want to make sure that they're in safe spaces with people. And the fact of the matter is, the Taylor lady said she was one thing and at some other point she was something completely different and right. people have a right to ask what's what and to demand more for people who are... Tr- I get it. Completely yes. get it. It totally would have been better it. if she would have said this is how I used to be. I, look, I, I yeah. my thoughts on that remain what they are but mm-hmm. I understand the criticism and I accept it no problem. But then there was the... Uh, uh, there was the... Uh, other side of it, there was a, there's another Bachelor subreddit where people took, you know, the story I told about the Blackberry Farm thing? And yes, about one, the tray. <laughs> about the tray and then the ancestors and stuff like that. Well, there was yeah. a, 
they made a thread about that. They were like, Van Lathan says that you should, that he wants to smack the the tray out of a white server's hand <laughs> to get revenge for things against his ancestor. And look, and no context. That's just the title of no it. No context. That was <laughs> okay. basically. It. I'll read it okay. right now. Hold on, like I'll, I'll read it. I'll read it right now. Hold on. Yeah. Uh, just so while I get you're it looking right. that up, I will say, I will say in regards to the Taylor thing that I I'm an, I'm not on Instagram, so I understand that I don't know the totality of everything that was said or however she apologized or however many times or what was said within them. So, you know, like that, I guess that would be my error that, you know, I don't know. I'm not fully versed on the whole situation, but, um, you know. Yeah. I, so, yeah. So, you know, I get it. People were disappointed. That's fine. Yeah. I, I really do understand it and they're entitled to to be disappointed in this. Anyway, I'm not going to go look. I'm not, I'm not going to go. Oh, you can't uh, find it? I, I can find it, but I don't feel like going through all of this. To look so for basically, it, but... people just put up like as if you're saying that you want to knock trays out of white people's hands. Right. And it, okay. as, if I was, as if I was like, <laughs> yo, I'm going to go down to Blackberry Farm and, 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 you know, knock trays out of white people's hands. It was a joke, right? So then I yes, responded. It was a joke. Oh, so God. then I responded. I I responded and I really expected to have a laugh with the people on the subreddit after this. Well, why? They they Be- posted it I know, and took it out of context. But I it, it wasn't even about it being taken out of context. It wasn't even so much about that. I thought so. This is what it says. The name of the post is Van Lathan says that at restaurants, he sometimes wants to <laughs> knock the fucking tray over of the white servers because his ancestors were slaves. That's what it says. Just like that. And it has a link to the podcast. I thought that maybe there was some glitch in our communication or maybe people were taking me seriously or whatever. Yeah. I thought that there was something off because I'm talking to people thinking that it's such an obvious joke and a send up. That everyone would have a laugh. Fuck no. It only got worse. <laughs> like You're it, in the wrong uh, subreddit. I was in the Bachelor Nation subreddit. Okay. And not the Bachelor, where the people didn't like what we said, but are generally lovely people. And I'm not saying that the people on Bachelor Nation aren't lovely people either. I don't know them. They just and, get you more. And yeah, I'm just saying, I'm saying I'm not I'm saying that, like, you know, this is people that people are upset. So they're they they got the swords out. So we went back and forth all night till I was just like, yo, I can't, Van's likable, cuddly, fun, hey, it's me, Van, it's not going to work. They're not fucking with it. Yeah. So, I, so I, I had to just like leave it. But I was going back and forth on the subreddit and I found it, it was a lot of fun for a little yeah, while. Yeah, you like that kind of stuff. You don't like it. No, I do at at times. Like I like mm-hmm. to go back and forth, right? I'm not in the courtroom anymore. So, you know, I you're always looking for that courtroom moment in real life. I don't I'm not doing it on Reddit. Now right. I'm curious. Now I want to go see this back and forth. Did, was on it one there. were you were you going at it with one person or were is it, it just like was, the whole there was, sub? It was no, there was one person. And look, they this is why I think and this is the most interesting thing. Like I don't try to make snap judgments about people. I judge what they've done and how they've reacted to it, right? But right. like I don't, it, the canceling thing is funny to me because, like I, I believe it's it's almost in a weird way. Like I don't disagree with the sentiment of what Chris Harrison was saying when he was in an interview with you. Mm-hmm. The sentiment is a very basic one. 
The sentiment is, hey, this is somebody who made a mistake. Should we cast them away for the rest of life forever? Sure. Um, because they made that mistake. I, yeah. I don't disagree with that at all. Right. I vehemently disagree with people being able to do whatever they want and then just say, hey, fuck you. That was a long time ago. I don't have to say, I don't have to apologize for it or, or reconcile it or do anything like that. I think that is a symptom of white supremacy. Just I never have to say I'm sorry, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so, so then what did you think about today? This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Oh, since you're talking about I'm sorry. Um, so this is what I think about today. Uh, you know what? Forget what I think about today. No, no, no. no one, I'm no, curious. No, one, to sh- no one's listening to this right now to, to hear what I think of, thought about today. Obviously, you guys know Chris Harrison went on Good Morning America and talked to Michael Strahan earlier. Before we get to what I thought about today, what did you think about today? I mean, I, I like talked about it on extra. I listen, I saw the interview. I have a lot of thoughts, but I think for us, for me to move on, for me to move forward, cause like we're staying in this, in this place and it just keeps stirring and stirring and stirring. And I've been stirring in it for almost a month at this point. It's crazy to think that that interview was almost a month ago. I, you know, Chris apologized again. This is the first time we've seen him apologize. We've seen it, right? There have been statements. He apologized. I accept the apology. Like, let's move forward. I'm not going to give any opinion on what I think should happen with the franchise, what I think his role should be moving forward. I think something is getting lost here. And that is, I'm not on the show anymore, right? I've I went I've been on Bachelor Bachelorette. I found my husband. I moved on. I think we need to be hearing from the people who are currently in the franchise and for the future people who are coming on this show. What Chris did has a trickle down effect for all people of color who are affiliated with the franchise and who will be in the future, assuming it continues. We need to be asking them how they feel, what they think about this what their feelings are about how the franchise should be moving forward. And nobody is. Everybody wants to ask me. Everybody's making this Chris versus Rachel instead of looking at what he said and the impact that it is having on people of color in this franchise and beyond, the people who watched that interview and were offended by it. It's not what does Rachel think about what Chris said. Chris said it. What he said had... What he said was problematic, which we've all recognized. 
So how, how do the people feel who were impacted by that? And I think that's the question we need to be asking. Hmm. I'm curious though, what you, what what you thought, um, but, but I, but, but I had to accept it because like, for me, do you know what I'm saying? Like, because yeah. I'm I'm stuck in a place and I just need to accept it so we can move on. You know, sometimes right. when you forgive and you accept, it's not necessarily for the person, it's for you. And right. I needed that for me. Right. So I, I'm not in any position to, to like demand an apology from Chris Harrison. Like he, he didn't do me nothing. So like it, I don't know. He apologizes. That's, I think that's, obviously the appropriate thing to do for myriad reasons, right? It's the appropriate thing to do uh, in order to let people know that their grievances with you matter. I think it's the appropriate thing to do for Chris Harrison's career, okay? Now, the situation is, do I think that fundamentally Chris Harrison is a different guy now than he was when he was on Extra with you? No. No. Right. And, And so for me, that, because the thing about that is, and it's like, you're going to go out, you're going to hire a racial diversity guy, and you're going to work with them. And you're Throughout Michael Eric Dyson. Were you surprised by that? Oh, I love Dr. Dyson. So Dr. Dyson's always I, trying to help. Yeah. I yeah. do too. Dr. Dyson's always trying to help. So I, you know, that's a, that's the, one of the right guys to go to. Uh, I don't feel any differently about Chris Harrison, the man, now than I did before. But I don't have to. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I, I don't. It, it doesn't. That doesn't really mean anything. The I think now that consequence has probably put Chris Harrison in a place where he's less likely to do harm like this in the future. He's less likely to do that, and that actually has to be worth it to people. Yeah. Uh, I don't really need purity out of people. I just need an understanding of the basic societal contract, which is that we're here too. Yeah. And so that, that's the bottom line. It's that it doesn't, I don't need you to, I don't need you to never have had a racist thought in your life. I don't need you to never have had a racist tweet in your life. Mm-hmm. I don't need you to never have thought anything wrong or done anything wrong or gone to any party. That's impossible. I wouldn't want you to be that person because I'm not that person. That's impossible. Mm-hmm. What I would, I think what anyone would hope for is the moment that you've done something to where people have said, hey, this is doing harm and I'm affected. Mm-hmm. For you to be like, my bad. I get that. I might not understand it, but right now I'm going to give you a space to be a human being because I've done something. And that's just basically it has nothing to do with race or gender or anything like that. It has to do with what, what kind of world you're trying to live in. Mm-hmm. And the thing about Chris Harrison's initial deal is there's something sometimes in America that stops white people from doing that. Rather than them saying, hey, I hurt you, I'm going to try to understand or even talk to you about it, they say, how dare you be hurt by me? Yeah. And the transgression is not the big deal. That attitude is. Because that attitude chokes progress. That attitude Mm -hmm. means that if I can't even express to somebody, think about any relationship in your life, any relationship in your life, your relationship with your, with your significant other, your relationship with your mother. The reason why you have those specific relationships with people is because they give you space to be you. Yeah. 
It's like, what's the point of having friends if you have somebody that steps all over your feelings right. and that you can't talk to or whatever? So that's the only thing about it. I'm sitting there watching somebody saying, hey, yeah, who are you to, 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 to tell this person that what they did was wrong? Who are you to do that? That we have to discuss. As far as anything else that he might think, as long as he's not hurting anybody with it, I couldn't fucking care less. I, I really, look, if, if, if I'm in a room with you and you think I'm not as smart as you are because I'm black and that's in your head, I don't give a shit. I give a shit if that makes you stop me from giving a job, getting a job. Mm-hmm. Like I, 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 yeah. I give a shit about the harm. I'm, I'm over in my life trying to legislate people's emotions. They're going to feel the way that they feel. And hopefully we'll do enough work in this life that their kids won't feel the same way. Absolutely. But I, don't, I don't give a shit. But, and, and to, to, to that point, I'm like, all right, cool. Like, it's like, dude, do, do I think that there was very much sincerity in the apology? Not really. Well, Strahan said that as well. Yeah, I mean, but, but I think he knows he has to do it. I think it's very, I think it's very unlikely that Chris Harrison will trip up in that way again. And more than, yeah. And, and more than anything, I'm going to be honest with you. I want everybody to have their show back. I, I like it. Look. What do you mean have their show back? Like, look, man, I got to be real with you. I hope what does that I, mean? I, look, I want, I want, I want, I, I want what Bachelor Nation wants, which is just to be able to watch their show and have some fun again. I do. So that means, like, so like, you want it back to how it used to be? As in, I don't like, know. I don't you want even, it to look she, the same way that it looked Rachel, before? Rachel, here's the thing. I don't even know the way it used to look because I ain't never watched it. Well, since but, you've been watching it, you've seen people of color be the leads. Right. But my, my thing is this. It's like, <laughs> it's hard. So I'm having a little fun and I'm talking to people and I'm meeting so many people that are in Bachelor Nation. But the thing is, I don't give a fuck. All right. They know. <laughs> I, 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 they I, know. I don't, I promise you guys, I want nothing more than for you to have fun watching your show. Now, I don't want people to have to, I don't want, I, I, I want them to have fun watching their show. I don't give a fuck about <laughs> this shit. I don't. I, 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 I feel you. I just, you know, because I come from it. I want people to be able to enjoy the show too. It's a form of entertainment and and I get it. Housewives is mine. But for the people I know, I'm so connected to it, obviously. So right. it's a little different for me. But can I just talk about the silver lining the silver in the lining. whole segment on Chris Harris? Blackberry Farm. Blackberry Farm. What's up? It's not Blackberry Farm. It was that higher learning made it to GMA. Hey. Y'all, we were on Morning TV, Higher Learning Podcast, had our had our colors, had our our symbol. Van and I, we were on that. I, I was shocked. They use they use a clip from our yeah, podcast. Yeah, Higher yeah. learning, y'all. We're moving up. Thought warriors. Don't, don't we marginalize us. We 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 out here. We you. made it. We yeah. out here. Question before we move on. Hmm? Right now, Chris Harrison called you up, texted you up. Said Rachel, let's meet up somewhere, have drinks, and talk. Would you be willing to go sit down with him and talk about this? I think I have to say yes. <laughs> Why do you have to say yes? <laughs> 
enough no more it's this is it guys no right, more this, this is it oh, I, hey, I, I, hey, I, no, I accepted hey. so we can move on I can't hey. we don't we ain't gonna talk about this again unless no it's dealing with the franchise making a decision because we obviously have to I don't I cannot I can't and I think right. I think Chris would agree which is why he would never call me or text me up to say let's have a drink and talk <laughs> y'all, y'all should man no, I, listen, if Chris, mm-hmm. honestly, if Chris called me up and said, hey, I want to talk, I would talk to him. I would ne- like I, I would, of course, I would, of course, go and talk to him. But he's not going to call me. up. <laughs> they asked him that. When's the last? Have you talked to Rachel? Initially. Initially. Initially, I talked to her. <laughs> Initially. <laughs> yeah, but then you kick that man back in. Stop. Like, like, <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking, guys. No, you I'm can't anymore. Here comes Reddit. Here comes Here the comes subreddit. Reddit. <laughs> subreddit. Damn, the, the subreddit was on my ass. I can't believe I, you were playing with them. I cannot believe you look, spent time and energy them, until, you. until you fell asleep. No, I'll be honest with you. I give them credit. They stuck to their guns. I had people telling me that I made fun of Uber drivers and Best Buy workers. And I was like, Jesus. Oh, wow. Like, they stuck no to their guns. No sense of humor in that subreddit. I'm not, then, no, no, no. I'm not saying they don't have a sense of humor. I'm saying they wasn't fucking with what I was saying. Those are two different things. But you were joking. I'm saying that they didn't like, well, I can't talk about them people's sense of humor. I don't know them people. But what I'm saying, what I'm saying is well, that say after that, I was like, all right, cool. But <laughs> shout out to them. Shout out to everybody. We're going to keep it moving. Because once again, guys, I'm just fucking around because I don't give a fuck. Yes. All right, I don't. And you en- I don't. And you enjoy this kind of stuff. <laughs> All right, it's just, it's just funny, it. funny stuff. All right, let's take a break. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, Restrictions all apply. See website for details. Yo, now this is a real treat. We have a cultural treasure on the show today. Everyone knows the name. Everyone knows the face. Everyone knows, I feel like, knows the energy. A lawyer, political commentator, principal and CEO of Impact Strategies, our good sister Angela Rye is on higher learning with us. Angela, how you doing? I am great. I'm so grateful to be here with you both. Um, definitely a fan of the show. It's so thrilled to be invited on. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, we're excited to have you. I'm, yeah. I'm actually surprised Van didn't come with the shade because usually when okay. it's another woman, specifically a black woman who says she's an attorney, Van will be like, oh, I'm so glad we have a real lawyer on the show. Yeah. Because apparently attorney. that just disappears after a while. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying that it disappears. But what I'm saying is that Every single day of her blessed life, Angela uses her skill set from being an attorney. 
I was gonna say, Rachel, maybe he thinks I'm not a real one either because he's like, when last time he was in <laughs> you know. <laughs> but that's okay, sis. We earned that. We paid that's that. right. Some of us are still paying for that, right? <laughs> Word up. I know I am. Uh, <laughs> now, Angela, as we have you here, we are in the early days of a brand new political administration in terms of there in Washington, D.C. I'm going to ask you a question that I feel like has been lobbed around in the community in some of the conversations that I've been in. For Black people, what is it fair to expect from the Biden administration in the first 100 days and over the course of the time that they're here? What's fair to expect from them? Everything. <laughs> Every damn thing. Like if if at the end of the day, Van, um, you can mathematically, I'm not a mathematician, but mathematically you can prove that without the black vote, um, I hate saying the black vote because it's not monolithic, right? Without black voters, um, mm-hmm. them casting their votes, their ballots for Joe Biden, he would not be there in the primary and in the general then um, logic follows that whatever it is that we ask that can be done um, either with executive action, executive order, or with his urging um, that the House and the Senate consider a measure because he will sign it into law, the answer, sir, is everything. Um, I do also think um, it was a frustrating moment in the uh, Obama pres- during the Obama presidency, but it was an honest one when he said that he did not just represent Black America, he represented the whole of America. And in a meeting that I was in, he said that um, activists, that the Congressional Black Caucus needed to push him on issues that we uh, thought were important for us. And I think that the same still holds true here, whether Uh, Joe Biden was an associate member of the Congressional Black Caucus when that was a thing. It was a thing. Um, Whether he, you know, um, was cool with a ton of Delaware activists and a longtime supporter of the Delaware NAACP, whether he has, you know, 35 black friends, whatever it is, he we he we still need to push him on an agenda that we can all embrace. And I do want to shout out our dear sister, Alicia Garza, for doing a hell of a job on pulling together the Black to the Future agenda that is a Black Agenda 2020 that could still very much be embraced now. And she's still doing that work now, pushing the administration. So we should get on board. Uh, Piggybacking off of that with the the House just now uh, naming it the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, and that that is going to, or did pass through the House. It passed through through the House Uh, what's your take on that? That, you know, it, if we were expecting everything from the Biden administration, this is now happening. What's your take on it? And do you see it moving forward through the Senate? Yeah, so great question. First, um, I want to commend, um, again, the Congressional Black Caucus for its work on introducing the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act right after um, he was killed, right after Ahmaud Arbery, right after Breonna Taylor, um, all lost their lives. Um, That was work that was championed by the uh, chair of the caucus, Karen Bass at the time, led by her at the time, and then led also by Kamala Harris and Cory Booker in the Senate. That bill has already passed the House once. What is different about this time is Joe Biden, who during the campaign said that he did not support ending qualified immunity. He supported reining it in, actually tweeted 
yesterday that the House has now passed the George, George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Now it's time for the Senate to do its job, which was huge. Van, to your point earlier, um, we are starting to see some of those changes based on pressure applied by the community and activists who are dope doing this work every day. If you had it your way and there was a list of issues that you feel like specifically in the Black community we should zero in on to have this administration work on on our behalf, what would those issues be? You know, one thing that I absolutely love that um, Congressman Charles Rangel said before he retired, he's one of the founding members of the Congressional Black Caucus. And also shout out to the CBC because it's their 50th anniversary this year. He said... He said that he sometimes wonders if the CBC put too much emphasis on social justice policy and not enough emphasis on economic advancement for black people. Interesting. Um, He said that and this is someone who was the chair of the Ways and Means Committee, which, of course, is responsible for taxation and overseeing all types of um, economic um, empowerment zones. Right. All of that policy ran through or runs through still to this day, the Ways and Means Committee. So it's a really, really interesting bent. If I had my druthers, I wouldn't pick. Right. Like we know that there's a dangerous cycle in our community that um, violence begets unemployment begets you know, poor education begets poor economic opportunity. And so, um, you know, the question remains that if we had ever gotten what we were supposed to um, with 40 acres and a mule, if Andrew Johnson didn't come in after Lincoln was assassinated and say, hell with that, we ain't got to get him nothing. What would have happened? And so something in me says, if I had to place an emphasis on something, it would be our economic advancement because we've never got to see where we would be if there was an equitable and an equal existence for Black people in this country. Mm. Does that uh, mean reparations? Absolutely. Of course. Absolutely. Oh, whoa, whoa. Why, why y'all jumped on? Y'all jumped I, don't, I don't know why you feel jumped on. Um, I know. Unless, <laughs> a hit dog will holler, man. Be careful who you are bidding for. I was just asking. Does yeah, but, mean, I, but yeah, yeah, I think, you know, whether we're talking about um, the H.R. 40 bill that Congressman Con- Conyers introduced every Congress, um, since the late 80s, um, which only calls for the study of reparations, a sure. commission, like it's yeah. not even sufficient. Um, yeah, absolutely. This is something that CBC members have long championed. My dad actually always calls for it. I've had it in speeches now for 10 years, but he's always called for a federal designation for descendants of United States slaves before there was ever Um, any entity that proclaims that they own this work, right? There are Black people that have been championing this for years. And with that, I said, well, Daddy, why don't we have a state and local designation too that would give us, you know, access to education without, Mm. you know, you know, going Uh beyond affirmative action, which we know traditionally doesn't benefit us, whether it's ensuring that we have real access to federal, state and local contracts with the government, um, ensuring that we have first priority on on jobs, real access to capital, that venture funds would have certain set asides for us in developing businesses. There's a gazillion ways we could do it. And let me tell you something about white folks in government. They figure it out what is for them. So now it's time for them to take (laughs) that same innovation and ingenuity and use it on us. Mm. (laughs) Um, We have seen what happens when we come together and we go to the polls, right? We talk about Black voters and we saw what happened in Georgia specifically. Now we see what's happening in Georgia right now with the House passing the bill that limits the absentee voting and early voting. What is your take on that? And um, 
we see this happen all the time where we we take a step forward yeah. and then we take five steps back. Like, what can we do to not be discouraged? What can we do to keep moving forward um, so that we continue to fight for the things that we want and that we deserve? I am. I'm listening to you, but pulling up at the same time, our good okay. sister, Latasha Brown, who runs um, and is co-founder of Black Voters Matter. Um, you all may know that they just took out a full page ad calling on companies in Georgia to stand with them um, to push back against um, these voter suppressive measures. What we know is every single thing that uh, the GOP historically does to make voting more more difficult, it has a direct impact on our voters. Um, And they're trying to do a lot, including making it a misdemeanor to feed people or give people water while they're standing in line waiting to vote, right? Like these kinds of things are ridiculous. So she's calling on Delta Airlines, Coca-Cola, Southern Company, Home Depot, UPS, AFLAC, the Georgia Chamber of Commerce, Metro Atlanta Chamber of Congress, Commerce, and Georgia Black Chamber of Commerce to stand with them in protecting voting rights. I'm naming them because sometimes you got to name names. And I understand that they said, well, that's going to set us back. But it's not because you have to be accountable in using your economic prowess in that community to ensure that Black voters are protected. Yeah. I mean, if the people down there... Uh, support your businesses, you should support their right. rights as Americans. Period. <laughs> you, Period. you know what I mean? Like, one hand washes the other. You know what I mean? That's it. Uh, so, Rachel and I have a difference of opinion on one thing. And uh, I think we talked about just this one? earlier. Well, just just one? Several, no, I'm several just things. Which one? Several things. But uh, <laughs> the roles of allies in this in, in, in entire struggle of ours as Black Americans. It's not even specifically as Black Americans, as Americans. I got to be honest with you. I am over the allies. I'm over it. Okay, I'm, I'm over it. Like, uh, not that I don't accept and welcome allies into this, but at this point, I want people more to stay out of the way of progress than to grab a shovel because I just don't have any faith that that many people will grab the shovel and help us do the, the, the digging or the heavy lifting. I'll ask you this, because you're in these rooms, you are someone who works for change. For the Black community to see uh, the ceiling that we want to see, to see our representation in America as we want to see it, do we need white people to help? Do we need white people to help? Yes, we do. Um, It's hard, Van, because I understand the frustration, but I think if you sit with where the frustration comes from, and I even heard it in your remarks, it really comes from um, not wanting to be hurt anymore. You know, Mm -hmm. right? Like, it's like, you know, you put this expectation out there because somebody made a commitment. They don't honor that commitment. That doesn't feel good. So I understand that. But I also have to acknowledge, um, speaking of Pabarai, Um, being raised around someone who was all the way and always about a rainbow coalition, right? Like what Reverend Jackson talks about, like what we know uh, the chairman of the the party and of the Black Panther Party in in Chicago talked about the rainbow coalition, like really standing shoulder to shoulder with folks who just get it. I don't think that there are a lot of folks who just get it, but I don't think that we're in a position to turn people away who want to. Um, I do think that the responsibility and the onus should not be on us to bring you up to speed. I think you need to figure out who the wokest white person among you is and get educated there. Because what I am tired of is you picking my brain for free. Um, I am tired of 
um, trying to conform and contort to make you comfortable for my discomfort. I am over that. And I agree with you there, but I think it would be a sad day for us to say we don't need allies. When, for example, we started this um, podcast talking about progress vis-a-vis the law and legislation has to be passed and Congress is mostly white. In fact, there are only three black senators right now, right? And then in the House, while we now have, um, I think it's 60 black CBC members, I don't know, I think uh, about around 40 Latinx members, and I don't know how many Asian members, I'm sorry, y'all, I'm gonna do better. But the vast majority of Congress is white. So we do need white allies to make some things happen in this country. You know what song I just heard playing as um, Angela was talking about the Rainbow Coalition? In sync, bye bye bye. We are the world. Okay. I knew we you were about say we are the we world. Talked, we talked about this last time. He made fun of me. He made fun of me about this. He talks about this. I Listen, loved. We are the world. Thank you. Thank you I very did. much. Thank you, Angela. Um, I want to ask you this because I'm personally going through this right now, like my mm-hmm. own struggle. But you're constantly in the media. You're always outspoken. People, like Van said when he introduced you, people recognize you. So then, so therefore, you're subjected to hate and criticism and harassment. Um, like I said, I'm personally going through that now. So for you, how do you take care of yourself to where you can keep going no matter what? Man, you know what? My truth is um, I have such a good tribe of folks. Um, the, the first thing that comes to mind is no matter what, my dad always like intuitively knows when to call me. So that's one thing. Um, I have a family thread that cracks me up partially because some people do not know what they're doing on the text thread, um, partially because it's all type of randomness that comes in on the thread. And then I have a a group thread of um, black women in media and we keep each other cracking up or, um, you know, doing activist work like Natasha got us out here now. Like, make sure y'all post this about this ad. So I just I feel grounded mostly by my village, by my people. Um, my godsons just came over and stay with me this past weekend. And we like, we're up watching movies like this. And that's, <laughs> you know, that's an amazing thing, but mostly it's family and my friends who, you know, the people who don't care, you know, who you are or what you do, like you just, they like, you just regular and it's good to be grounded that way. It's <laughs> mm, very true. I agree. Um, within the community, how do we, because there's one thing, you know, after the Kanye moment, I started getting involved, invited to the woke barbecues, you know, and everybody was just like, hey, Van, everybody. And what I realized is when I got into the middle of these spaces is that a lot of these people don't get along. It's a, there's a lot of beefs. <laughs> there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things that are going on. How can we inside of the community do a better job of putting our personal differences aside to work for one common goal? Like, why do you feel like there is, and you, you know it, that, that it goes on, that there's backbiting, that there's second guessing, and that it sometimes bubbles over. I've been guilty of it myself, mm. of course. So, like, what what is that about and how do we get on code uh, as a group of people who want better for each other? We got to heal. Like, that's the most, <laughs> like, it's like, oh, that's simple, but it's so hard. It's like, you know, intense work. and um, when you're a people that has, you know, our ex- very existence in this country is bo- built upon our abuse um, and is built upon people not seeing our humanity 
And so Van, some of those spaces where you were invited into, you were witnessing people who were probably screaming over each other because they never felt heard or seen, you know? So, so much of it has to do with that. There's, you know, misogyny issues in our community. There are many places where I've been where it's like, they wanted you there, but they wanted you there as a figurehead, not to open your mouth and speak. Little did they know I was raised being outspoken. So that's the only thing I know. You know, and so I um, I think a lot of it has to do with that. And to your point, I really do hope that we can get to a place where we're like, OK, a common goal matters. We are a year away from the 50th anniversary of the 1972 Black Political Convention in Gary, Indiana. Wow. And when you think about that, how far have we really come? How much do we really accomplish since they gathered? Um, there are people who attended that convention who are like, it was terrible. It was a waste of time. And there are others who are like, it was the best thing. Uh, my former boss, Congressman Thompson says, this is best. I still got my t-shirt. I was like, let me hold that shirt. Though. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like it's like, it's legendary. But the thing that I want us to get to is like, can we just get in a room and can we just talk about what our goals are? You know, can we lay it aside your organization's mission or mine and figure out what that thing would be? Um, and there are so many, but ultimately, I think if we're honest, we all really want freedom, you know? And sure. so what is, and what does that look like? How do we define that? And can we give each other the honor and the respect and the time to express that? And maybe even unpack what that looks like in front of each other for a little bit. Um, I hope we can do that before I die. <laughs> <laughs> for real. That would be a dream um, come true. It's Women's History Month. Mm-hmm. and. I I was going to ask you who it is that you look up to and and you can't answer that but I'm curious if you could go to dinner with three women dead or alive mm. who would they be and why Well I love that question so first would be sister Harriet she's right here on my neck I have talking. that necklace Oh yeah this is this is this I this keeps I do. me This keeps me like yeah, you know, I don't have it so rough. Anytime I want to complain about, you know, somebody hating on me or whatever, I'm like, sis went back 19 times to get 300 people. I, I'm good. Um, so definitely Harriet Tubman. I would love to sit there with her and Congresswoman Waters, who is uh, my mentor uh, and first uh, p- political boss. Um, who else? Uh, I think I would want to share that moment with my mom. Mm. I would want to share that moment with my mom. That's good. Mm-hmm. Somewhere, somewhere, Beyonce going, damn, I didn't make the cut again. Beyonce could probably have a dinner with dead and alive people. She could probably, she probably conjure, them, conjure them all up. You know I mean? <laughs> just get them. They'd be like, girl, we coming um, for you. We coming. Bring me some icy park though. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in this movement of Black political and economic solidarity, what role do conservatives play? I am pretty, I am pretty left of left uh, <laughs> as, far as, as far as it is, but not everybody is. Uh, do you feel like conservatives have a seat at the table at, in this movement or are they just the ones that we shall not name? Oh, I hope so. I hope that they have a a seat at the table and a role to play because um, I don't believe that racism is a partisan issue. You know, it's one that has been pervasive in both political parties. Um, And and I think the challenge that we have now is how we define conservatism, right, Van? Like right now, 
um, having been a Capitol Hill staffer for six years um, and being on the other side of the January 6th attack, calling members of Congress, crying, worried that I don't know if they're going to make it out alive, couldn't find one of my friends for four hours on the Hill. Um, I need for conservatives to really condemn that, um, including the Black ones, um, not just in word, but in deed, and to create some separation. And I don't know that we're there right now. There are people like Michael Steele, who I've had Black conversations with, who I definitely think should be in the room. There are people like my father's mentor, Dr. Arthur Fletcher, who was the father and the architect of affirmative action, um, who's no longer with us. But if there's an Arthur Fletcher Black Republican out there, please, my brother or sister, come to the table, right? Like, I'd love to see them and sit with them. And then there are others who have been defenders um, of the worst kind of um, action and rhetoric from this past administration with Donald Trump that I don't want to see. There are some who identify as progressive that I also don't want to see in that room because what they've demonstrated is that um, access to power means more than them than black people, black people's liberation. And that I have a problem with. Uh, You know, you're very regal. You have, you have a queen's essence. You know what I mean? Oh, good. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, mom. Uh, uh, there you go. <laughs> this is my last question. I expect a full-throated answer here. What's the most ratchet thing about Angela Rye? Oh, you know, what's ratchet? This is really going to be more raggedy than ratchet. My twerk. Right. I cannot twerk. Wow. Like at all. It's so Have you really worked on it? I've wow. tried. I took like a whole like master class with Paul Wall's wife with Crystal. I'm like, teach me how to do this. I can't. Figure this out. It is so sad. I'll be honest <laughs> with you. I'll be honest with you. At least that's you're a, honest. That's a, that's that's like a major demerit. But see, that's the okay, Seattle. That's the, se- no, 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 that's no. The Seattle. That Seattle. That's the Seattle. That's the Seattle. No, I'm serious. <laughs> that's the that's the Seattle in you right there. There wasn't, wasn't nah, much going on. That that's not it. I, I think it's. You know what? I really think it is, man. You, this might be too spiritual for you, but I really think it is about. <laughs> I'm serious. I really think it's about like um, from like really from church. I love church. I love black church, but church also has some repression things. So mm-hmm. like, there's some repressive repression stuff I started working on over the summer, <laughs> and I think that meant like a confining of my hips. So it's like you gotta loosen them suckers up. You gotta, you are know, you, you gotta, the, are you telling me? Are you telling me that what? Jesus had control of your hips? Yeah, like, I am. I'm saying like I'm saying you like can't the argue fear. with that. Not though. really, not really Jesus. It's not I'm so much like, Jesus, but like like the, the what the what the church does in terms of fear, right? Right. Like, you know, you can't if you move your hips too much. That's too sexual. I bind that devil in the name of Jesus, right? <laughs> like there's that kind of like that Jesus. That's that the he, best he answer. I've ever heard. No, but really, like, and and y'all, for real, for real, like, not being able to be free and more fluid in your hip space also restricts your creativity. So if there is that true? Number, yeah, absolutely. For real, it ref- not to be- for women in particular. For our women in particular, space, in our womb space, this is our seat of power. Mm. This is our um, creativity center, right. and yeah, I really, I do believe that. So holla at me in about three months. I might be twerking better than all of them in about three more months. I'm just still working through it. Now, when you do, when you, <laughs> when you get the twerk down, will you put it on the gram? I don't know. Do a masterclass. 
What's your now, because if, now, you have a you have a story good, behind this work. You have a story, so people can yeah. you know what I mean. They can relate if I get to that you. That good. I'm a, I'm gonna be like Crystal. Crystal Wall, come show, come with me, so the people could see the evolution. It's like well, I'll tell y'all straight up. This is the perfect twerk caption because you know how a girl will put a cap that she'll like be showing her butt and she'll be like, "When I was back in the sixth grade, nobody paid attention to me, and this is why I'm sharing my sexual." That's the this is the twerk perfect twerk caption here. Yeah. You put the twerk up, but then you put the classiest caption yeah. ever so that people like, I'm glad she found her freedom of her hips and her womb and her creativity That's and it. all of that stuff. I'm trying like to that. tell you. It's something to that. I'm trying to tell y'all. All right, Angela, I <laughs> actually I actually won't. I, 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 I want to see one day, I want to be able to vote for Angela Rye for something. I'm not going to lie. You don't want to do that, you. man. I do. I'm, I'm telling you. You don't want to do that. I, I want to vote for Angela Rye for something. No, would I mean, you run? You would, you would run for something? No, I would not. He okay. does not want to vote for me and I do not want to run because we would embarrass each other. <laughs> I would embarrass myself. I, I'm really, I think that I am, I think I have other strengths. I think that I'm the person that helps to run the campaign, that helps to, you know, you know, move the pieces of the strategy on the board for the for the candidate. I'm not the candidate, y'all. I'm too rebellious and disobedient. You do not want me as a candidate. There you heard it right there first. <laughs> Our sister Angela Rye, she's behind the scenes working on her twerking. Yeah. Uh, thank you <laughs> so much for joining us. And I am hopeful yes. for this administration. I am not pass. I'm not passive though. Good I'm man. I'm not passive. I'm hopeful but I have pledged allegiance to nothing except for policy. Well, who you working, who are you going to work with to pull this off? What you mean? Because you got to have a rainbow coalition. No, I'm, this is what I'm going to do. Let yeah. them know. Seriously, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to mm-hmm. do. This is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. What, what I'm going to do, and I, I, all allies are invited to the tent. Good. I'm, nobody. Oh, that's what I've always said that. But, I'm just not going to ask for any more help. I'm going to ask. I'm not going to ask anybody. I'm not going to get mad for somebody if they don't post something. I'm not going to get mad if someone I can't anymore. The only people so wait, who I can so be concerned. So in addition to posting, what else are you going to do? How are you going to advocate for the agenda you want? Well, I'm going to advocate through my vote, number one. I'm going to advocate through grassroots political organizations that I can mm-hmm. support mm-hmm. that reflect my views and my interests and make sure that the people, more than anything, I feel like my 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 purpose is to make sure that I platform people who who have the same politics as me or who are reaching out to members of the, of the community that have been left behind. Yeah. And specifically where I come from in Baton Rouge, there are people who have ideas and people who want freedom economically and socially that don't have access to it. Yeah. And the one thing that I can do for them is provide them with the oxygen they need to mm-hmm. go out and be full Americans. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I don't want to run for anything either. You but sound I do, ready. I don't. <laughs> I don't. No. But like my man, that, well, like my man Gary Chambers down there, yeah. he's running. Yeah. So I, I, I do something with do something with him or Ted James. Shout out Ted James, Ted my man. James. Yeah. So yeah. make sure that those guys have what they need from my media platform. That's yeah. what I do. Yeah. Well, yeah. you will you will note that um and Ted can tell you this firsthand that there is a whole ass Republican legislature that he has to get things through with. And so them allies, you're gonna find you're gonna need them everywhere. <laughs> and even if Gary, you know, Gary, I wish you the best in your race. That's a seriously contentious primary. 
But yeah. whomever comes out of that, uh, that special election, rather, will have to go into Congress and work with allies. Work with so, them. That's fine. That's your we're job. interdependent, Van. Hold on to the truth of the Rainbow Coalition. Uh-huh. I'll try. Black Lives Matter forever. <laughs> Black Lives Matter. <laughs> Angela, thank you so thank much you uh, for joining thank us. You, oh, yes. by the way, before we make sure, listen to On One, which is your podcast yeah. on, on Apple, and then you have a show on title as well. Just tell people what, what, what you got going on so they know where to go get more Angela There's Rock. so many things going on, but yes, yeah, so uh, the main thing on title, I have one episode left. Uh, on One with Angela Rye is my podcast, and that is a lot of fun. We have some good ones coming up, um, including a pretty contentious one with Carl Hart. Uh, oh, wow. I, I like Dr. Know. Carl. <laughs> I like Dr. Carl. Oh, I like, okay. Yeah. Well, that makes one of us. And then um, <laughs> we also have been coming up with Kirk Franklin. That's amazing. So, yes. All right. All right. Uh, All right. Thank you so much for joining thank us. You. Today. Yes, thank you for energy. being here. It's, it's so great to have you. Bye-bye. It's my pleasure. Have a good one. You, you too. too. Bye-bye. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Okay. You think that we would get a break from people messing up, but not really. Greg McDermott, who is the... Uh, you know, gotta do it. Gotta do it, Rachel. These are the topics, Rachel. Rachel, these are the topics. They, they're the Mc- topics. And this is this is what's happening in the world. Go ahead. Greg, Mc- Greg McDermott, who is the coach of the Creighton's men's basketball team, apologized for uh, a statement he made in the postgame. <laughs> he was addressing the team. This is what Greg McDermott said. When he did it. <laughs> Go good old Greggy. This is what Greg McDermott said, Gregor. So listen, just real quick, all the thought warriors, just I want you guys to listen right now. Everybody who's listening to the podcast, I want you to listen. I want you to listen and tell me, everybody just take off your rage for a second. Just think with your comedy brain, okay? Tell me if this (laughs) should have been thought of as a problematic statement. This is what Grant McDermott said to his team. Guys... (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't know what the fuck Greg was thinking. <laughs> Greg was wilding. Wait a minute, Greg was wilding. I want you guys to remember. Hold on for a second. I want you guys to remember. <laughs> this is 
college basketball. I can't. What is it? <laughs> this is college basketball. There's a bunch of black guys on the team. This is what Greg said. Hold on I can't. Second. Greg <laughs> cried. This is what Greg said. Greg, Greg said, <laughs> guys, we need to stick together. We need both feet in. I need everybody to stay on the plantation. <laughs> <laughs> Greg said, so Greg said, Greg said, he said, I can't have anybody leave the plantation. We got to stick together. What the fuck is going on, man? What is going on? Like, well, seriously, like what? I don't understand. Yo, oh my God, man. What? what the, oh, shit. Oh my god! Like what is man. white people? Help me, seriously. I have seriously. to look up where Greg was from. Help said, me, Greg from. Help me, guys. Like seriously, help me. I don't understand. <laughs> look, I, I'm not saying I don't know this man. This is, I don't. I can't say this man is racist. But why would you ever say? <laughs> like, I, don't, I can't say this guy's a racist. But why would you tell a bunch of people you know it's college basketball? Like, why would you tell these black athletes Oof. to stay on the plantation? That's wild. And what did he say? You got to keep your feet. You got to keep, keep your feet. I need to keep both feet in. I need everybody <laughs> to stay on the plantation. I can't have anybody leave the plantation. I'm sorry. Yo. Listen. Greg, oh my God. Greg. My there God. are so many words that you could have inserted instead of plantation. I like oh. Van. That's obviously we all know what a plantation is, but never in my mind does the thought that I would never use that analogy ever, ever. Right. I just <laughs> I don't I don't know if he heard somebody else say it. I, he's from Iowa. I had to look at where he's from. He's from Cascade, Iowa. I don't know if this is just something, a phrase from Cascade, Iowa. I I, I, I need, you know what I also need? I need more to the story. Does somebody raise their hand and so, say, coach, this is, that's this not is okay? It, he said, <laughs> I immediately recognize my egregious mistake and quickly address my use of such an insensitive words with the team. This is apology. I've never used that analogy <laughs> and it's not indicative of who I am as a person or a coach. I'm deeply sorry. I've apologized to our student athletes and to our staff, as well as President Henriksen and Director of Our Athletics, uh, Bruce Rasmussen. Uh, so he apologized. Look, uh, damn. So he, so he called. Did he tell himself? Tell on himself? Did he call the media? I, I, I'm confused. Or to, 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 I'm sure. One I of need the to hear from the players. I need to hear from the players. I need to hear from somebody Look, else who's see, in the room. But well, here's I the just, thing, though. With most of the players, if you're actually asking me, and I'm not going to speak for them, but you probably have guys on the team that were recruited by the coach that have a relationship with the coach, especially in college basketball. These are normally very. I mean, of course, relationships go bad all the time in any sport. These are normally very personal relationships that these kids have with their coaches. Sure. So I would imagine that there are probably some people there who might, might be sympathetic with him or willing to talk it out with him. Or is I, I just gotta. You but guys, can you imagine looking at a sea of of like a room full of black men 
And it was almost like, you know what we'll get through to them? Talking to, to tell them about them to the plantation. Stay on the plant. It's just to stay on the plantation because you know what that means. You look, know what it means. I just, it's like I, it's like it's like. Look, I, like seriously, guys. Seriously, it's like. Remember Jerry Maguire. And yes. and what did what did Jerry Maguire say to Rod Titwell when they were in that bathroom, and Rod Titwell was air drying because he doesn't use a towel. You've never seen Jerry Maguire. I've seen Jerry Maguire. I'm okay, just trying to okay. think of what he said to him. He said to him, he looked at Rod Tidwell. He said, help me help you. Yes, he did. I'm trying to help you. Help me help you. Look, we're not asking for you to come to the Black Lives Matter March. Okay? <laughs> you ain't even got to do that. Fuck that. You don't even got to do that. <laughs> but could you just, could you just please not bring us back to the plantation? <laughs> just, <laughs> just like, <laughs> it's so funny. I'm sorry. I know y'all think we bullshit. We just, you, you just got, sometimes you just you, gotta laugh. You gotta yo, laugh through it. When you read it, it's guys, we got to stick together. We need both feet in. <laughs> I need everybody to stay on the plantation. <laughs> what is this nigga thinking? What? 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 Oh, he said my twice. God. He didn't just say it once. He doubled down like, bro. Okay. All right. Look, everything's fine. A crazy men's black basketball. He offered to resign. They said no. He's back. Oh, he did? Yo, he offered to resign? He said, he said in his apology that he offered to resign. All right, but they, I guess there was some internal discussion and he's not to resign. Look, I'm not, I'm not advocating for this man to lose his job. Sure, yeah. By any means, yeah, but I'm just but saying, like, damn. You gotta, you gotta, I, I need to understand why that, that thought popped into your head. So maybe you need to go to, you know, speak to a race educator. That's what they're calling them now. Maybe that's what you need to do. <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta laugh. You do. <laughs> All right, uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott announced earlier this week, your home state, we all chill. Uh, no masks, no mask mandate, 100% open. Your thoughts? I mean, what is there to think? Should I, I, I almost feel like the laughter from the last segment should carry into this. What mm-hmm. are we thinking? What's happening? I was seeing the crate, Twitter was going wild on this, wild mm-hmm. on this. Listen. I don't know if Greg Abbott thought that the winter storm that came through, you know, froze COVID and it no longer exists within our state. And it's not just Texas. It's in Mississippi as well. Sure. I'm so sick of them politicizing health care. Like every time we get some some decent, some promising news about the coronavirus, you know, Biden has spoken out and said, hey. Uh, We should be able to have a vaccination for everybody by May. That's two months earlier than what the administration thought. We've got Johnson & Johnson out here with a new vaccine that doesn't have, it's not as complicated as the other ones, Moderna and, is it Moderna? Moderna and um, uh, Pfizer. Pfizer. And it's, that is not a cue to then say, you know what? Great. Now that we know that help is on the way and it's coming around the corner, we just quit. We just give up on it. It, it, it's it, it's insane that over half a million people have died. Texas's numbers are still up. I checked them before this podcast. 
there's been a rise in coronavirus cases since this announcement. Mm-hmm. And we're coming up on spring break. I just I just don't understand the logic here other than you're playing into what you think is who's going to be voting for you in the next in the next election. It mm-hmm. just it's just so discouraging the fact that we're we're rounding a corner and then you're going to set us back by opening up your state and not even caring the effect that it has on your constituents. It's wild. Meanwhile, you have Beto who's like, you know what? I don't care what they said. I am knocking on doors and I am trying to get people registered to get their vaccinations. Somebody who should have won as a senator in our state, somebody who who is down there for the people, making sure the Texans are okay. while Greg Abbott is just like, you know, I still hope that you adhere to what what the what medical professionals are saying. But as for me, there are no more rules. So there's a doctor on Twitter that I follow that always gives good information about vaccinations, about timelines, about the COVID numbers and the way that they're going. His name is Scott Gottlieb. Do you know this guy? You know what I'm talking about? I know. Yes, Scott Gottlieb. Mm-hmm. So Scott Gottlieb says something I actually agree with, which is while it's certainly premature for Texas to relax restrictions and get rid of the mask mandate, there's something else that's true. Is that the sort of imaginary or indefinite timetable for the end of the provisions that we're taking right now across the country uh, for COVID are simply not going to work. At some point, the American public deserves to know a date where things are going to get back to normal or some semblance of even a new normal. Did we not just get that? But but no, coming from Scott, he what he's what he's what he's talking about is the fact that this is that it's I'll I'll turn forty one uh in the in like in another month. I celebrated my fortieth birthday via Zoom, right? And if it means that one person doesn't die, I will be I'd be willing to se- to to celebrate my forty second birthday on Zoom. Okay, mm-hmm. but I'm not everyone, and the reality is that the longer this draws on the longer people aren't going to be able to muster the next the necessary discipline in order to follow these things so what we have to think now and we do this all the time in other ways we have to think about a holistic effort uh to how we're fighting this pandemic and what i mean is the numbers going down is a good thing people are doing it but we can't simply rely on the overwhelming sacrifice of the American people to get us through this because they're going to stop. So when I posted that that Governor Abbott uh, opened up Texas and, and rescinded the mask mandate, I didn't put anything in the caption except for thoughts because I really wanted to know what people actually thought about that. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, like how people actually feel about that. And while it's something that I think is reckless. And it's something that I think is a dangerously premature. I'm wondering what's not reckless and what's not dangerously premature. Is the governor vaccinated? I'm not sure. I would That's imagine what I that would he, know. I would imagine that he is. Then I have a huge problem with it. Because once again, you're looking out for yourself instead of for the very people who elected you into the position that you're in. Mm. 
Right. If the if Governor Abbott is and his family is vaccinated, then you literally just said you don't give a fuck about Texas mm. because you're obviously fearful of this virus because you went ahead and took measures to protect yourself and your people rather than protecting the people of this state. That I have a huge problem with. I get what you're saying, but my gosh, we just got promising news. I understand. We have a new, we have a new, va- we have a new vaccine uh-huh. that's easier and more accessible to um, the American people. And Biden is saying that everybody will can get vaccinated by May. Now, whether everybody or not people who wants de- to, who wants get to, vaccinated. that's what, right. what I was going to say. Whether or not people decide to to get vaccinated is up to them. But the fact that it is available, which used to be the biggest issue, we weren't, we didn't have enough of it. We didn't have enough supply for the demand. Uh-huh. But the fact that you're just going to go ahead and jump ship with without really giving an explanation as to why, when we've just seen Texas experience one of the worst disasters to the state, and then you're going to add this on top of it, it's just, I think, and maybe that's what it is too. To be from Texas, to know what people went through, to still see people suffering from the effects of what happened with that winter storm, which again, the people in Texas were not properly taken care of for. And now, weeks later, you're going to announce that the whole state is just open. It's a free-for-all. That, it just adds insult to injury. And I don't know what Greg Abbott is thinking. Somebody needs to let me know if that man is vaccinated, though, in his family. Um. So, yo... They done done it. They didn't cancel my man, Dr. Seuss. They canceled him. You did whoa, whoa, cancel. Trigger word there, Van. Did they, they cancel canceled. or are they um they canceled my man? Just Dr. removing Seuss. problematic images, messages they for can- nah, the children. They didn't, got, they didn't box, they like Shaq. They didn't box Dr. Seuss right out the paint. Tell us how you really feel. I can't believe they did this. I can't be <laughs> were, were you a big Are you a big were, are you well, I was gonna ask you? I don't remember being a big Dr. Seuss fan as a kid. I have the places uh, you will go. Somebody mm-hmm. gave me that book. Right. Um, I think that's the only one. I spoke with two kids one time. They gave me a Dr. Seuss book. I'm not sure which one it is. But I, I don't remember being... Honestly, those figures creeped me out. You didn't like the, you didn't like the art of I Dr. don't like Seuss. the art. I think they're very, very creepy. They all look Grinchish. And I don't... I, I'm not a fan of the way that those things look. I fuck with Dr. Seuss. That's great. Um, the message I, or the the imagery or what it what does it for you? Uh, Dr. Seuss was just delightful. Was and it reminds yeah, it reminds me of a time when uh you know, I was just like learning to read and I would go into the library and we don't go into libraries enough anymore. But there's like a specific smell that all of these books together I have. I love library book smells. Yeah. It's like, and you, I would remember, because they didn't have, it was like the Dewey Decimal System. And oh, you yeah. had to go and find your book. And there was a book cart. Oh, yeah. And sometimes your book wouldn't be on the shelf and you wouldn't think the book was, you think the book was checked out. But all of a sudden you see somebody about to put the book back on the cart. Just all of these little things about reading. Yes. And stuff like that <laughs> that were like amazing. When I was we're going- old. <laughs> we are old. When I was uh, when I was going to University of Terrace, they like University of Terrace Elementary School, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, I remember this was one of the biggest disappointments in my life. Would you like to hear about this? Please. So, 
there was a, we were, I was in the library one time and our, our mascot was the Eagles, right? Okay. And I, we were in the library one time and, you know, I would stay in the library and read a lot. And I saw that there was, we, had, we were just getting our first computer. There was one computer for like mm-hmm. the whole fucking school. Mm-hmm. It was going to be in the library. And there was a promise that there were going to be more computers. Now, when we moved out to California for a little while, there were entire computer labs. Like, just a room with nothing but computers. Yeah. And I would go in there. I would stay after school and just play Oregon Trail. All, you know what I mean? Um, but Big fan. So, we were getting our first computer in the library. I was thinking I was in the first grade. And there was a, a contest to name the computer. Okay? okay. Give the computer a name. And I remember I sat in there for hours on end trying to think up a name for this computer. This computer, right? And I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I was watching a lot of Transformers at the time. I thought I'm going to go for something like the biggest, baddest name. So I was like, we should call it the Megatron. And then I drew like a a fucking little thing of Megatron. And I had a whole little presentation, the Megatron. I remember I gave it to the librarian. She was like, wow, Van, this is a little thing. It's like, you just used another name, but it's creative the way you came up with it. I made like a whole little deck, like a treatment Mm -hmm. for this whole Megatron. The name that won was the Electric Eagle. (laughs) And I remember thinking to myself, all of this fucking thinking that I did, all of this, this like, it's not like I, I Megatron, I drew pictures and I did all of this. There was some dude that went, hey, man, it's electric and we the Eagles. So let's call it the Electric Eagle. I never forget, graduated high school. I went back to UT to work with the kids. And I look over there in the corner, new computer. But you know <laughs> what the fucking name was? The Electric Eagle. A legacy I mean, of my shame. Man. You took a name from somewhere else and tried to name it the computer. At least Electric Eagle was original. Excuse me. Electric Eagle is a fucking five times better name than the name that I came up with. But the fact that it was so <laughs> simple taught me a life lesson. Anyway, uh, back to the, that, that happened the in the library. Megatron. The Megatron is what you I came up with. You were drawing treatments. I was drawing treatments. Stop. I was drawing that whole little thing. So six of Dr. Seuss's books, since we're talking about libraries, six of Dr. Seuss's books will no longer be published over offensive images. One of the stories used the word, excuse me, Chinaman, and one had two characters from the African island of Yurka that are depicted as shirtless and monkey-like. Okay. So they're not going to publish these books anymore because uh, there's some offensive images in them. Your thoughts? I mean, I was unaware that the man behind Dr. Seuss had such a racist and anti-Semitic past. Talk to me about it. Did you know that? Did not. So when I saw the story, I was like, really, Dr. Seuss? Again, I'm not a big Dr. Seuss fan. fan. The imagery creeps me out. But I thought, really, I don't remember things being problematic. That again, I'm not well-versed in Dr. Seuss. So I did a deep dive. Apparently... Geisel, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce his last name, was extremely racist and drew, before he got into Dr. Seuss, was drawing cartoons 
uh, that depicted, that were very racist against Black people and Jewish people. He has a history of this. He didn't hide it by any means. So that transferred or was translated into his imagery with Dr. Seuss. So I am all for removing these books because there are these subtle messages that are placed in these these children's stories for children to, uh, you know, digest and and they it's in their subconscious so if we're trying to remove that if we're trying to make the next generation better and this man has a public problematic past then why are we fighting so hard to keep these books because they were important to our childhood we were unaware of the history the problematic history behind them so now that we are aware of who the man is behind dr seuss why do we have such a problem with removing these six books dr seuss has hundreds of books it doesn't take away the legacy of dr seuss it's not like they said dr seuss should be canceled and all his books should be removed because of the problematic person that was behind them they didn't do that they just removed six books so So i don't understand what the big deal is um so it says before he became a giant of children's literature Mr. Geisel drew political cartoons for New York-based newspaper PM from 1941 to 1943, including some that used harmful stereotypes to caricature Japanese uh, Japanese Americans. Uh, decades later, he said he was embarrassed by those cartoons, which he said were full of snap judgments that every political cartoon has to make. Okay? Random House has said they... Uh, they pub- the Random House publishes Dr. Seuss uh, books... They say they respect the the estate and they're not going to do anything about it. Uh, does the fact that the guy apologized later on in life change anything that you think about him? Obviously not, because that imagery was still in certain books. So which one was he po- apologizing for? Was he apologizing for all the things that he did? Because as we've seen in these six books, they're still problematic. And so I think that maybe maybe it wasn't. The things that he was doing with these political cartoons seemed to be very overt. Right. But maybe some of the ways that he feels about certain types of people were still within his subconscious. And he implemented that into his children's stories, what he thinks about stereotypes when it comes to black people or Asian people or Jewish people. Obviously, that was still in some of his books. So we're, we're talking about six books here. So six. It, so here's my thing. So. You know, you if what you said is very true. You have a book where it's the African island of Yurka, shirtless, shoeless, resembling monkeys. See, the problem with this, I know that it doesn't seem like a big deal to a lot of people. And they're thinking, hey, they're trying to take even Dr. Seuss away from us. No, what you're trying to what you're trying to stop is implanting people's minds, like you said, with images of subhuman black people in other cultures. Now, would you be against reprinting these books with different imagery? No, I wouldn't be against that. But yeah, so I wouldn't either. So and I don't know these books particularly. Uh, I don't think, I think that a lot of times things need updating, right? I mean, and, and look, I go back and watch old Eddie Murphy movies and, you know, I watch them and I go, damn. You know what I mean? Or you you watch, you watch, uh, you listen to rap that I listened to back in the 90s and I'm like, wow, we was wilding. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean you throw away the people. It just means that sometimes for something that still exists in, in this current climate, uh, with the current consciousness that you have, sometimes things need need a little update, you know, and or I think they it's remain so as relics of what they that. Yeah, but see, like, yeah. see, but see what you're saying. That's fair. People want to say, "Oh my God, they're canceling Dr. Seuss. Who's next?" And it's like nobody's canceling Dr. Seuss. You're not ripping out all of 
his works and yeah. who he is as a person, you're not taking that away. It's you're taking away certain pieces that are problematic. But if the compromise is, hey, let's change it to where we don't represent black people as animals, you know what I mean? From Africa, then let's change that and reprint right. it. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Mm. These are the conversations people aren't having. Okay, mailbag time. All right, Jackson, I know you got to run the you got to run the little video mailbag time. Uh the, my little theme song, but I'm not going to sing it again. I hope you Oh, that's right. I forgot yeah. we have a theme song now. Mailbag time. Time to read your letters and then we'll reply to them. Oh, it's mailbag time. Write us with your queries and we'll chime in. Uh, yeah, Jackson, let's go. Mailbag time. Hurry up. We'll, <laughs> okay. From Emilio Tostado, how has dog ownership changed each of you in a, in a way for the better or for worse? Ooh. Oh, what a great question. I'll go first since I've had my dog longer. Never grew up with a dog. Never was into dogs. Okay, stop. It's not a dig. I'm just saying I'll go first. A fan made of, of disgusted face, you guys. Listen, I remember I was at a very low point in my life when Copper magically came into it. My sister found him in the streets. Um, so for me, Copper calmed me down. He centered me. He gave me responsibility. He gave me something to hold on to. Like I had like come out of a bad a relationship that I thought was going to last forever. I was like in a place in my career where things, I was just plateauing. I felt like I was going through the motions of life and I did not feel fulfilled. And then Copper came in and it just gave me a different purpose. It gave me something that was like somebody who depended on me. Something, it, I don't know. It just, it, you know, they say rescue dogs. Man, I don't. I know you don't know this, but they, they say rescue, rescue dogs. Yes, they rescue yeah. you, and it's it's so true. It's so true. Um, Copper is is everything. I and he is. They also and so, say, yeah. They what, also say, what? What? They say dogs from puppy mills make you feel like a puppy again. So maybe you should try that. You know, that's just, that's, so you're a dog. They make you like you're a dog. I'm a little floppy, crazy puppy. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Bose is like, uh, it's interesting, and I don't have any kids, so it's interesting watching something grow up, mm. and like, you know, like watching something like need you, and also something that's not concerned to you with your problems. Like you know, Bose is just he's just like a he's like my little G, bro. He's like yeah. my little guy, you know. He's like he's like that's my little dude. He's he's, he's my guy. I like he's like we. He needs some food. Sometimes I walk towards him and he gets like scared. I'll crowd him on purpose, like take away his space. And he, he growls and he barks. And it's just funny. He's like, he's a funny little guy. He's funny. I like it. Uh, it's made me better. It's made me better. Worse, yeah, definitely. it's just made me super overprotective. Just super overprotective. Like he'll, he'll yawn. I'll be like, what is that? What does that mean? <laughs> yeah. um, uh, all right, Jackson, let's go. Come on, hurry up. Gotta keep them coming. Let's go. From Tess Kittleberger, what's your preferred 5 p.m. after work drink and your preferred, quote, turn up drink? Ooh. Ooh, great question. Man. Uh My after five drink, like when I mean, when I come home from work is wine. Little wine. Yeah. Lately, I've been in a white wine more than red. My turn up drink has changed. Okay. Uh I was, I was 
all about the Crown and Coke. I used right. to even carry my belongings in a bag of little Crown Purse. That's what I'm talking about. That's the shit I'm E&J, talking about. Hennessy. I, I, I was, it's all dark liquor. Brian drinks like a lot healthier. Right. So I switched for love. So now my turn up drink is a tequila soda. Actually, no, I take that back. My turn up drink is just shots. Shots, <laughs> just shots, 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 shots. Don shot, Julio, shot, 1942. Ooh, ooh. Just shots. Uh, my wind down drink is, uh, my wind down drink is probably like, you know, like some wine. Inkalika has a wine. McBride Sisters will drink some oh, wine. Oh, didn't I put you on McBride Sisters? You did put me on McBride Sisters. Mm. You did. Uh, my turn up drink, I like an Amaretta Sour. Weak. That's the drink that I like weak. to devour. <laughs> it's the drink. For real? That like gives me all the power. It's an amaretta sour. Jackson, make it stop. I'm telling you. <laughs> look, look. Seriously, I start, man. Look, I look. That's like I the know, drink you drink before you're 21. You know what else? I, you know, I know because that's how I got started. <laughs> but I, get, I like sweet drinks. You know what else I like? I like what? a pina colada. You know what I'm saying? That's what I, I like. A pina colada. A you pina know, colada. Knows. You like drink. You like drinks with like uh, the uh, umbrella. Hell in, yeah! In she your, knows, yeah, she knows. I like a I like a pino colada. Okay, um, a daiquiri. Uh, more. Louisiana is known for them drive through daiquiri shops. Yeah, like daiquiri. They are drive through daiquiri. Boy, we we <laughs> living safe down there in the boot. Jackson, one more. <laughs> do you want to do that question from Deandra or no? Sure. Yeah, let's oh, do that yeah. one for you, Jackson. You know, he De- loves this. By the way, he loves this. DeAndre, we love you. You submit questions to Mailbag all the time. We love you, DeAndre. Okay, so the great. question is, is the most popular question we've ever gotten in Mailbag. All the Thought Warriors love this question for some reason. I don't know why. But Jackson, what do you think of Van and Rachel the first time to work with them? Wow. So the first time work with, with both of them is actually before this podcast. Rachel probably doesn't remember, but it's true. With with Van, uh, he come into the ringer for a couple of videos. The first time we worked with him was this video called NBA Wine Bottle, where we, they just talked about NBA players and I was like uh-huh. the PA stats researcher and Van just like berated me for a while uh, about basketball and about uh, my opinion that graduation is Kanye West's um, best album. Yes, yeah, uh, But I liked it. I liked it. I liked Van right away. Uh, we, got, we got along really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rachel and I actually briefly, briefly worked together. Rachel, do you remember that Hulu show you did for us? Can I steal you, you for a second? You worked on that? Yes, I bachelor? did. I worked on a... The Ringer did a Hulu thing where we did a Bachelor recap show that Rachel was talent on. And I was uh, working on that. But I didn't really get to know Rachel very well. We just met very briefly. But so this this podcast was the first time I, I really got to meet Rachel. And when I told some of my family and friends that I was doing it, they were all like, oh my gosh, you're going to get to work with Rachel Lindsay. And Rachel has turned out to be as delightful as everyone said, said she was. Thanks, Jackson. Okay, Jackson. Fans jealous. Thanks, Jackson. All right. Uh, Rach, you got an unexpected ally of the week? No, no. When I, when I, there's certain weeks where I'm like, no, no. You're going to love, I ain't feeling it. I ain't feeling it. You're going to love mine. Van? Chris Harrison. Chris Harrison is my unexpected ally of the week because this is the week that Chris Harrison blessed us and graced us with the apology we've all been waiting for. Next! On the bat, you know what Chris Harrison did? He gave the entire Bachelor Nation a rose. 
was just joking. I don't have one. I was just joking. <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just joking. I'm going to give my one. unexpected ally of the week to George Bush. Oh, oh w. wow. <laughs> yeah, man. Wow. To George W. Bush. Whoa. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the muscle's off the hot dog now. Um, Wait, did you watch The Bachelor this week or no? Did you watch The Reunion? Okay, I didn't, I didn't watch it. Move. I'll watch it next week. Next week is the fuck. Don't, right? don't. Just move on. Because cause we are in for... I'm, I'm nervous. I'm nervous for this episode the next week. <laughs> All right. We'll see. We'll see what happens. It is fantasy sweet week, though. Ooh. You've been waiting Ooh. for it. Ooh, You've been daddy. asking. Ooh. Daddy. Ooh. Take me to the fantasy sweet, daddy. Ooh. <laughs> I want to go. I want to go to the fantasy sweet, daddy. Maddie clip Daddy. This. Clip this. I would like to repost Ooh. this when I come back to Instagram. Maddie Daddy. <laughs> uh, okay, guys. <laughs> Take a thing caps off, but do not stop learning. We out. I'm Van Lee. <laughs> I'm Rachel Lindsay. <laughs> uh.